using my words to influence people, to motivate people, to persuade people sounded like a you know, whole hell of a lot of fun. So I uh, really kind of dove into it then and never turned back at that point. So, so it was love at first right. It was, absolutely. <laughs> this is Brian Clark from Copyblogger, and you're listening to my friend Ash Roy on ProductiveInsights.com. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to www.productiveinsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. Hello there. This is Ash Roy, the founder of ProductiveInsights.com, with a quick message for you. If you'd like to grow your business profitably and fast, head over to getmetodone.com where you can learn more about the Productive Insights membership program, which is designed to help you grow your business profitably and fast. We help you get clear on your target audience and create an irresistible offer around the specific problem that you solve for your audience. Once we've established an offer that's a good fit for your audience, we then help you to scale your business using marketing automation, which means you spend less time working and more time enjoying the fruits of your labor. If you'd like to learn more, head over to getmetodone.com right now and take that first step towards your business success and your time freedom. I hope you enjoy this episode and get a ton of value from it. I look forward to seeing you at getmetodone.com. Hello, everyone. Today's guest is an excellent copywriter, and I personally am a huge fan. He's the chief copywriter of Copyblogger Media, where he writes clear, concise, and compelling web copy that demands attention, creates desire, and compels action. He's also got an excellent podcast called Rough Draft, which I recommend you check out. He's the founder of thecopybot.com. Over the last 10 years, he's been a content contributor on Copyblogger, Raven Tools, Crazy Egg, and Men With Pens. He's the managing editor for a magazine of over 460,000 subscribers and is an award-winning blogger for a real estate marketing company. He's learned that ROI is everything and is a master of frequent and vigorous testing. So it's my absolute pleasure to welcome Damien Farnworth. Welcome, Damien. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Ash. Appreciate it. Great to have you on the show, man. Really love your work. I love the way you write, and I'm really keen to dig in to understanding web copy and the key elements of it with you. So let's start by talking a little bit about your story. You have a very interesting story where you started off as being a poet, and I used to be a poet once upon a time, and, and you found your way into copywriting. So can you share that journey with us? Um, yeah, sure. So um, I always knew that I liked to write. And um, like you said, I, I wrote poetry. And I wrote really bad poetry in high school. And um, I but I didn't really realize I could make a living as a writer. So I wasn't even aware of I think I don't even think I was aware that there was such thing as a copywriter. And I kind of knew that I didn't want to do anything in the business field at all. Um, but I really didn't know I had any clue what I wanted to do. So I ended up in the restaurant. I went to school for two years. That didn't work out. Um, thought I'd be a civil engineer. That didn't work out. Uh, so I spent a number of years in the restaurant industry. And then finally, I was like, this, this sucks. So I'm leaving this. <laughs> went back to school. In, encouragement from a very good uh, aunt of mine who said, you know, Damien, you love to write. You can, why don't you go study writing? I was like, okay. So I went to my uh, what is the, my career counselor. And I said, hey, you know, give me the program where I read the most and I write the most. And uh, so they gave me, they said, hey, English literature would be perfect. So I took English literature. That went extremely well. Um, I, 
but then once I graduated, I was like, how do I make money? And fortunately, again, you know, like most of our lives, you know, someone was fortunate enough to offer me a job with the real estate marketing company um, as a copyrighted training had to be copyrighted. And I was like, I needed a job, but I wasn't interested in doing it. But I, so I needed the job. So I took it anyway. But I fell in love with it the moment I was introduced to it and said, you know, using my words to influence people, to motivate people, to persuade people sounded like a you know, whole hell of a lot of fun. So I uh, really kind of dove into it then and never turned back at that point. So, so it was love at first right. It was, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Damien, can you have a chat to us about why web copy is so important for business success? Yeah, sure. Um, so... Like I always tell people, like I think I'm, everybody should learn some aspect of copywriting, whether you're going to actually be a copywriter or not, because I think if you have an idea, especially if you're a person of experience, of expertise, of authority, and you have an idea you want to communicate, copywriting will just help you um, communicate that idea much better than you normally would. And of course, most business, most, most activism, most communication is done online now. Um, so taking those principles of copywriting and then writing online to be able to write in such a way that not only that your stuff will get found, but once it's found, people will actually read it. And so um, that's why, because, you know, everybody, if you think about it, everybody, you know, even um, the seniors down, down to the youngest people are online. They're doing something in some capacity. And when I talk about web writing, it's just not about just strictly like articles and stuff, podcast. There's you know there's writing involved in podcasting. There's writing involved in, in creating scripts for videos. There's writing involved in creating for infographics and for you know slide shares and all these things that are all done on the web. You have to know how to write and you have to know how to communicate. And again, it comes down to like the two things. The two things that like all content faces. The two ch top challenges that all content faces online are is obscurity and the neglect. And obscurity means like if there's so much content there. It's hard to get found. You, you're a vo you, might, you might have a voice, but you're a voice among billions. And so you have to write in such a way that it gets found, not only by search engines, but you know, by people through social media. And then you have to write in such a way that once people land on it and, and uh, read your stuff, listen to your stuff, consume your stuff, they'll actually stick around and think, that's great. I need, I need you know, this guy knows what he's talking about. And he talks in a way that's clear, concise, and compelling. So that's why web writing is, is so important. Two great points you made there, Damien. Obscurity and neglect. One of the best ways to get found is by writing clear, concise, compelling copy that gets found by search engines. I actually interviewed Rand Fishkin in a couple of episodes ago about the importance of SEO and how it's evolved. And he talked a lot about how content and SEO are so interlinked. And it's not just about writing engaging copy. It's also about writing copy that, as you said, gets found by the engines. But it's still got to be engaging. You can't just write SEO-driven copy. And you are an absolute expert when it comes to writing openings, really engaging mm -hmm. openings for blog posts. Thank you. Could you touch on that a little bit for us? So I think about openings, uh, you know, so you have your headline and then you have the, the opening is basically the introduction. It's what's, it's going to convince the people to continue to read or not. And so I've always found the best way to do that is to write stories. So I'm always looking to write um, a story, to add some story, whether I make that story up or whether it's a true story or not. And I'm a firm believer in, um, you know, creating those stories. At the same time though, you know, I've, often kind of found like openings that may not be story driven, but, um, you know, the, the, the way they open the cadence like that, the, the template works, I guess. 
And it's funny because I will then use that a couple different times, but with different course of with different variables and stuff. And it's always neat to see people, other people pick up on that and use it themselves in other places, you know, which is kind of, you know, it's a flattering thing, but um, it starts with, so, you know, great stories come from just having, just, you know, having a lot of consuming, a lot of information, consuming a lot of content to begin with. You know, I, um, I tell the story about my opening to, you know, I re- recently republished an article on copy blogger called how to become an exceptional uh, writer and uh, the opening is uh, of a scene in the in the documentary. It, it might get loud, and there's a scene between Jack White and his younger self. And Jack White tells his younger self, "I read that article." Yeah, that's right. You know, a lot of people have, but that's a great example because that idea of that opening was with me for years before I figured out how to use it. And then when I, you know, the pieces just kind of came together, and I was like, "That's it. That's that's the opening I need." Because I think I was working on the article and I had everything, but I just didn't have the opening. And then I was like, "Ah." Or you may, might have flowed the other way, but once I, you know, landed that. So having those, it's you know, it's, it's sort of a mindset that I talk about of, of like being your your renegade sinkhole, and you just you just sort of absorb everything that is around you becomes you know material. Nothing is sacred, so um, all, all the material, everything is um, every, everything is game in the um, in, in in web writing is my is my, is my philosophy. Now, tell me, Devin, how do you capture that opening when it strikes? It might strike you at any time, right? You might be in the shower. You might be going for a run. Do you have some kind of a tool that you use to capture that? Because you don't want to lose it. Sure. So, I mean, you know, some ideas like I'll use Evernote. I have a multiple, you know, notebooks that I'll write things in. But that example, that opening that I, you know, that Jack White opening, that was one of those things where it was just such a vivid scene and such a powerful kind of metaphor for what I wanted to do that I knew that I wasn't going to forget that. That was always, that was always just kind of in the back of my conscience. It's like, I need to know that. And it's, and it was, it was, it was, it was because I watched the documentary. And again, it was such a sort of a, epiphany like one of just one of those almost a spiritual moment i was like oh my gosh you know you don't forget those right you don't forget those and so i knew that would so moments like that things like that just kind of stay with me but outside of that you know a lot um i'm I'm a big fan of evernote and i use lots of notebooks and i write in books too a lot a lot of times too um so me too one of the articles i think it was written by brian clark he talks about starting an opening with the words imagine this where you kind Mm -hmm. of put the listener or the reader into a situation where you ask them to envisage a certain situation and almost transports them. That's another great opening, but I must say all the openings I've read from you grab me. So thank you. uh, Let's talk a bit about the elements of great copy. One of the things we've already touched on is headlines. The other thing we've talked about is openings. What other elements do you suggest are very important to good copy? So elements of good copy. I mean, the thing we're talking about, like great content, and I think the, the, you going back kind of to your your interview with uh, Rand Fishkin. The thing about great content is like, I mean, Google spelled this out for us a number of years ago. I mean, very clear. They've always said just, just create content, but they when they rolled out um, Panda and people were like, well, how are we supposed to create content? They they have this blog post that's a go to for me that basically explain. It basically, in essence, it's like create something that's original. That's heavy research. That has a you know great spin to it. Um, so all these elements where it's there's depth to it, where it doesn't look like you sat down and you just kind of burst it out, but you've actually spent some time creating it, creating credibility, you know, answering objections, providing evidence, providing proof, and so it's all those kind of intangible things within it. But like on on page, the things that are important. And when I usually I talk to people and, and train people on how to write for the copy, it's, yeah, it's headline, it's opening, then it's subheadlines. You got to create great subheadlines, which mm-hmm. are just many, many um, headlines throughout the copy. And you have to create. And I, I'm a firm believer in transitions and firm good transitions. So, so things are seeming seamless 
and fluid as you're writing. And like, I will put, you know, I don't feel like, like the question is like, so when, when do you abandon the post? And I only abandon the post when I feel like I can read through it and not pause, stumble, or like that, and things sound coherent. Again, I've read it like 30 times, so it's, it's probably not a very objective viewpoint, but still, once I get to that point, now I'm ready to hand this off to my editor and see what it is. Right. So, having, so having great transitions and knowing how to write transitions, and of course having a great close, and like knowing what you want to, it, you know, web writing is a lot like um, telling comedy is being a comedian is like you have to know the punchline you know you might have great delivery but if you don't know the punchline it's gonna it's gonna fail so a great uh the punchline in web writing is is the closing and so where are you trying what are you trying to do what's your end goal with the particular reader where are you trying to drive them what do you want them to accomplish and what do you want them to feel or what do you want them to do or what you know whether it's donate or share um, it could be just to respond, you know, it could be, it could be to uh, buy something, it could be to, to, to join something or download something, but always have a, something in your mind thinking of what it ultimately is I want them to do as, as they read this. So, so okay. those, those, are, those are huge emblems, subheadlines, transi- transitions, and closings. What I'm hearing is there's a lot more work that goes into writing a blog post than is apparent when you read it. The fact that a person can read it so fluidly and it takes engines into consideration, not only does that require a lot of effort on your part, but Google is also seeing that through their algorithms in indirect ways perhaps, but Google is kind of measuring that. So for example, if you just go and do keyword stuffing into a blog post, then Google's going to pick that up and it's going to smash you. So uh, in fact, this came up a lot in a conversation both with Rand Fishkin and another conversation I had with Eric Enger, a podcast that's going to be published soon. He co-wrote the book Art of SEO with Rand Fishkin and he Mm -hmm. was saying something very similar. It's not something that you just throw together. It is a work of art and you've got to put a lot of effort into a successful piece of content, whether it's a blog post or it's web copy or it's even a headline. Right, exactly. Okay, so how did you learn to write such fantastic headlines and openings? One thing I can already tell from what you've said so far is a lot of effort, a lot of practice, a lot of consideration. What else would it take for a listener to learn to write like you? Uh, 15 years of uh, blood, sweat and tears. <laughs> I mean, honestly, um, I, yeah, you know, and there's probably ways to shorten that learning curve, but um, I've been at this for 15 years and I, and I, I kind of think back, it's amazing that I've been doing it for so long, but really, I, I really didn't feel like I hit my stride until probably about five or six years ago where I kind of, maybe it was even a little bit longer. And so all that time before, I was. I found myself just kind of bumping against the wall, thinking this doesn't work. Why isn't this working? And part of it's becoming comfortable in your own skin and who you are. Because I think it's, it's those. It's those people who sort of all of a sudden just kind of um, sort of you know skyrocket out of the crowd. Are those people who finally are comfortable with themselves? And you see in their headlines, the copy, the way, the way they write. You see someone who not only is kind of an expert at what they do, copywriting or, or whatever they're talking about, but also they have their own flair and their own voice. You know, people like James, you know, James Altucher, you know, is a great example. Someone who has kind of just said, screw it, I'm going to be myself and write about the things that I care about, right? And he may not be the greatest writer. I don't think he's the greatest writer, but he writes about things that people care about. Mm-hmm. And you're like, holy smokes. And he is, he's a good writer, I mean, clearly, but but it's he also like has his own style. I get what you're trying he to does. say. He's, I think what you're saying is it's about not just being a good writer, but being comfortable in your own skin as a writer. And that takes time. Right. It's like yeah. a fine wine that takes time to 
Absolutely. Well, it's, bu- it's building the confidence, too. And the confidence comes from doing things that start to succeed. Erica Napolitano is my other um, example, somebody who's very comfortable in skin. She's the princess of profanity. And she, <laughs> she, 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 I think she trademarked the F word, you know, because she uses it so often. <laughs> but it's like people love her for that and just her approach. But she's the sweetest, most kindest person you've ever met, very sensitive soul. But she'll tell you the story that, you know, it's, it's not gratuitous. It's just who she is. And so you read her stuff and you understand that. And you're like, yeah. And so she, she gathers an audience around of her, people who are comfortable with her, with Erica, Erica being that. And that's the, that's the thing is you have to realize is that you have to be comfortable not, um, not trying to please other people. That's the worst thing you could ever do. And I think it's part of what it is, is that we try to, to make everybody happy until we realize, you know what, um, I only need to focus on this 10%, screw that, screw that other 90%, you know, and that's all that really matters. And so that, that's part of the, that's sort of the temptation that you have to resist is wanting to please everybody and just be yourself and uh, be comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. To your point about Focusing on the 2%, uh, I talk quite a bit about the Pareto Principle in earlier podcasts, and I am a big believer in that. You know, The Pareto Principle is essentially 20% of your effort yields 80% of the results, and then if you take that one step further, it becomes 4% of your effort yields 64% of the results. So it's about really focusing in on the bit that makes the biggest difference. But I really like what you say about being comfortable as a writer, so I'm actually going to find my own stride or focus on doing that more. I already write a fair bit. I've written for Tiny Buddha. I've written for Lifehack.org. I'm a contributor there. I've written for quite a few websites. But I definitely really want to develop my own style. And I think that just comes with time and practice and consideration and focusing your attention at all times on how can I be a better writer, not just in front while you're in front of the computer, but you might be out on the street and you might be thinking about right. how to be a good writer. It's about right. applying yourself completely to it. Yeah, and that goes to the other thing too is that what we've kind of been talking about too is like writing about things that you're passionate about because um, there's nothing worse than writing than you know uh, reading something a hired gun has written because they're clearly doing it for the money and not for the passion of what they're doing. And you will write so much better. We, we will see your enthusiasm come through. We will see your um, uh, joy of the topic that you're writing about come through. And that's the most easiest way to do it. So try to focus if you can writing on things that you love. So. You know, uh, speaking of copywriting and enthusiasm about it, I remember I talked to Kevin Rogers in an earlier podcast, and I, the name of the podcast was called Blind Man Driving because I was walking down the street and I saw this van with a sign saying Blind Man Driving, and it was a guy who actually installed blinds on houses. And I thought it was such a fantastic it. piece of copywriting. It stayed right, there. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's your point, isn't it? It's about being so in love with the skill or in love with the discipline that you see it everywhere you go. That's right. Okay, so let's talk a bit about the biggest challenges you've seen people face when it comes to accessing a good copywriter or copywriters and even becoming one. Now, let's face it, every one of us is not born to be a copywriter. So can you talk a bit about how a person can figure out if copywriting is for them and if not, how they can find a good copywriter? So if copywriting is for you, I think clearly you have to love to want to write. Um, and then the other pieces, because the difference between like creative writing, um, let's say nonfiction writing, and then copywriting, copywriting, the goal is to get a response. That's the goal behind copywriting is you're writing in such a way that you want people to respond in some way, you know, whether it's to share something, to don- donate, to download, to buy. So um, John Kennedy 
not the president, but uh, an <laughs> earlier copywriter said that, you know, copywriting is basically salesmanship in print. So you have to be interested in that. One of the things that I found out and what made me fall in love with copywriting was the fact that like, really, this is really about the human condition. You're learning more about human beings and how they tick. And, and, and I'm just, just endlessly fascinated by people and their problems and their fears and their hopes and their dreams. And then so that's what you get to do as a copywriter is to sort of dig into these people and then write in such a way that you hit upon a pain point that they have and you're able to solve that in some capacity and then encourage them to, to perform some sort of action. So if those things appeal to you, then copywriting might be something you want to do. Now, if you want to hire a copywriter, the thing that I, I look for in, in good copywriters, especially online copywriters, is one, they have to have an average sense of SEO. They don't have to be masters of it, but they have to have an average sense of, of understanding of SEO. Then they have to have uh, sort of an average sense of usability, like, you know, um, again, they don't have to be masters in this sense, but they have to know, like, you know, like web design and understand text, you know, text formatting and understand um, readability and those sort of things, uh, spacing, white space, how those things work. So as you think through, because it is, it, it, if you think about it, reading online is a very visual thing. And so it's going to be like that. So you have to understand how your copy is going to be. So, so you just need an average understanding of SEO and, and um, uh, um, usability, but then you need an above above average understanding of social media because I really firmly believe that social media has changed the way we write because um, we talked about SEO, but you know, and, and SEO still is probably the ultimate discovery engine, but now our um, the, the ultimate way in which we go after answers, but so much of what we read now comes through us through sort of uh, discovery through social media, what our friends are sharing, Twitter, on Facebook, on Pinterest, on you know, whatever app it is that you, Instagram and, and SlideShare, all these apps and all these, these venues are, and so they've changed, like, even like in 2012, the, um, the Atlantic uh, Monthly, the online magazine, they changed their, they changed their SEO strategy from focusing so much on SEO and just having a more editorial strategy of focusing on headlines because they knew that, like, the more they got shared, the more they got in front of eyeballs. And so and that's an audience that's growing. Now, and they're all, tweetables. Headlines could be a good tweetable. Yeah, and, and the headlines that you see on the homepage will probably be different than the headline you actually see on the actual article page. And those headlines will be different than what you see on Twitter or will be different on Facebook and maybe Google+. Plus. I mean, we still – there's no doubt that um, – I think Eric Eng, he's the one that proved this, is that – that's that discovery by search is by far better in conversions. Social media, you don't have great conversions. However, if you're just trying to get the audience, so you have to have, but you have to have an above understanding of SEO, and then you have to have above understanding of copywriting to write on the web, and then finally, you have to have above average um, understanding of of journalism or at least storytelling in that sense of having good research skills and having be able to tell good stories. So those, so if you're looking for a copywriter, you have to find out some ways like how much do they know about SEO usability. Um, copywriting, you know, um, uh, um, journalism, and then social media, and then ask the, you know, ask the questions. Of course, it's up to you to determine how comfortable you are with, you know, with the particular project you have, and evaluate from there. Something else that came through when you were talking was you mentioned spaces, white space, and I think an appreciation for good web design is also important, right? Because when yeah. you're writing good quality copy, you've got to think about how it's going to appear on the page and how it's going to appear. With a blog post, maybe it's not so important, but if you're writing copy for an about page, for example, you need to think about how the reader is going to consume that and how their eyes are going to flow down the, uh, yeah. are going to move down the page. So, uh, 
I am a big believer in having a fair amount of space, white space, uh, and I believe designers actually have a word for it. Uh, it's white space. It's cool. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so, the, the negative space is the other word that they use, but they don't use that so much. So Yeah, so I mean, there's nothing worse than having a website with tiny font where you can barely read it and it's all scrunched together. People are just going to look at that and just go, I'm not going to even read that. But then when you write copy, you need to think about how it's going to be appealing in a good in a fair amount of white space background right. so for example you want to have intriguing subheads you want to have a good opening line which sits by itself uh, so it draws attention you know you want to be able to build your paragraphs so they draw the reader further down the blog post or the page that you're writing on that's right absolutely okay so what are good what are some actions or quick wins a listener can take to either get started with copywriting or find a good quality copywriter? Do you recommend any resources where they can go to find good copywriters? Uh, you've already touched on some of the actions that they can take to uh, be a good copywriter, and you talked about having above-average abilities in certain areas. But can you recommend some resources where you can find good copywriters? One, of course, is thecopybot.com. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, if you're looking to hire copywriters, actually, you know, um, Copyblogger Media has a certified um, uh, content marketer page. It's copywriters, but on that page, you'll see uh, writers who have basically passed our uh, passed our passed our accreditation, and then, um, but also too, like you know, like I know how a lot of people found me was because I was writing when I was working for myself. I was I was writing a lot for Copyblogger. And people were reading Copyblogger looking for copywriters. They'd see a writer that they liked and they would approach me and say, hey, can I hire you? So, you know, jump on some of those, um, jump on some of the more popular sites like Copyblogger and Problogger and John Morrow and uh, John Morrow's site. And, That's and, Boost Blog and Traffic, yep. Boost, yeah, Boost Blog Traffic and see who's writing it. And if you come across them that you like and you need to hire somebody, you know, um, just email them. Because usually these people are looking to be hired, so they're, they're available and uh, of course, you could do you could search online for copywriters and find you know particular if you have a particular niche too. And I think it'd be a good way of finding that. So if you're looking for somebody like in the financial industry or the healthcare industry or something like that, you know you can um, just search that and and look for people there. So, okay, cool. Uh, now, could you talk to us about some books that have had the biggest impact on you and why? I know one you're going to probably say is Robert Cialdini's Influence. Yeah. Um, uh, any other books that you recommend? Because, by the way, the Robert Cialdini's influence has been recommended by just about everyone who's been on the podcast. All right. Exactly. Well, it's sort of like it's almost like the Bible of content marketing. So, or marketing, I should say. Uh, yeah. I mean, that was the book that actually changed, just opened my eyes. Like, you know, holy smokes, I could actually do this. I could actually enjoy doing this. So, uh, the other books, um, big, big changers for me were probably books by Claude Hopkins, which is scientific advertising, just getting this idea of, you know, you measure everything that you, if you, if you measure it, you have no doubt, you have no doubt about whether it performed or not. And that, that way you don't come in with opinions and, you know, say, well, I feel this way about it. Well, it's not really about feelings when it comes down to saying, okay, well, this headline surely outperformed that headline. So scientific, and that's an old one too, but it's a good, it's like one of those that just, it's, it's Good to eat. It's good to read and, and so many great good ideas out of it. And the other one, too, is probably uh, Victor Schwab's How to Write an Advertisement. Uh, good. It's just not one of these very basic, very simple, systematic sh ways of showing you how to write a good copy. And Eugene Schwartz, his, his is a little more heady, 
but um, his his book Breakthrough Advertising was one of the that I and this one of one of the books that I go to constantly. As is John Capel's um, tested uh, test, tested advertising methods is a great one. And so uh, another recent one that I read that was really good was by Rossa Reeves. It's an older one. It was published in the sixties. Was um, what uh, what was his book uh, Reality in Advertising? So. Which, which ended up being more kind of an extended commentary on um, the unique selling proposition, sort of getting that big idea, focusing on that big idea. Because I think so many people kind of miss the opportunity. So here's the here's the pro- the, the problem that all products ideas like that um, have in the marketplace is that again they're 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 one in a billion. You know, it's like how do, how are you going to position it? And that's what people say. Hey, can you review this? Yeah, I read it. And it sounds like you can apply that to seventeen thousand other different products and advertising. You have to figure out what makes it yours completely and utterly unique. And so you have to really fight hard for that kind of thing. So. Okay. Something that really stuck out to me when you talked about measurement is, you know, the importance of measuring the effect of your copy. And I actually interviewed Hithen Shah, who's, I've got to publish the interview soon, and even Neil Patel. And both of them talk about the importance of measuring copy. And I really, really believe that. I have a background in finance, actually. So I've, yeah. <laughs> I'm, right. I'm a, you I understand. Yeah, so I totally believe if you can't measure it, you can't manage it, and if you can't manage it, you can't improve it. So, yeah, totally a big fan of of the importance of measurement. Thank you for those book titles. I will definitely add them to the show notes, as I will all the other podcasts we mentioned in this discussion. Yeah, um, two other two other recommendations too. Anything by David Ogilvy, of course, and then um, the other guy that I learned a whole lot from was John Carlton, and he because he wrote a um, a, a, a a, a book, a that yeah, actually was printed. It wasn't a real book, but um, the Re- Rebel. I forget it was um, Kickass, Kickass Marketing Secrets from a Rebel Copywriter, something like that. I learned a ton from him too. So a good mentor in my life, and he's got. You can go to his website and just get a lot of his material there too. So John Carlton, though. Cool. I'll definitely take a note of that. My mentor, James Shramko, is fairly good friends with Joel Car- John Carlton. Um, oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'll I'll definitely check it out. Okay, so how does a listener find out more about you and get in contact with you if they would like to work with you or just know more about you? Uh, well, like you mentioned earlier, I have, I have a website called thecopybot.com and um, I focus a lot on web, on web writing. I also have a podcast called Rough Draft and you can find that at roughdraft.fm and again, that's one, it's, uh, it's, it's about web writing. And um, you can find me on Twitter at Damian Farnworth and um, I think that's about it, yeah. All right, that's awesome. Well, it was an absolute honor to have you, Damien, and thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You do a good job. Thank you. Thank you very much, Damien. Okay, so that was Damien Farnworth, who's the chief content writer for Rainmaker Digital and a longstanding member of the Copy Blogger media team. We talked about some really valuable things, which I hope you found useful. We shared insights around why web copy and copywriting is so important to business success, how writing is involved in all sorts of content, including podcasting, script writing, videos, the two key challenges that all content faces online, and that is obscurity and neglect. We talked about the importance of an opening and why it's so important to capture the audience's attention with powerful openings, the importance of subheadlines, transitions, fluidity, and strong conclusions, the importance of understanding what you want your reader to feel or accomplish as a result of reading your content, the Pareto Principle, and lots more. Some of the other podcast episodes that we've mentioned that you might find useful are episode one, where I talked to Neil Patel, the founder of Kissmetrics, 
episode number three, where I talked to John Morrow about how to create great blog content, episode number six with Chris Garrett from Copyblogger on how to use content marketing for business success, episode number nine called Blind Man Driving with Kevin Rogers. This was about copywriting and the power of copywriting. Episode number 38 with Rand Fishkin on how to create great quality SEO-friendly content. Episode number 44 with Hithen Shah, the other co-founder of Kissmetrics. And episode number 35, which talks about high leverage activities and how to use them to prioritize your to-do list. This talks about the Pareto principle in considerable length. So I hope you found this information useful. If you did, please stop by and leave a review on iTunes. And if you would like to work with me, head over to ProductiveInsights.com forward slash hire to book a consulting session with me. That's ProductiveInsights.com forward slash H-I-R-E. Thanks for listening and talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today? 